Hey guys, Dr. Chad Peters here. Welcome back to Sports Doc DC. Now today's article is really, really deep. I think you can hang with me on it. I feel like I have done a great job of making this very easy to understand. Any of you guys that are practitioners, you know, if you're part of the PT world or the chiropractic world, physios, orthopedics, anything like this, I think you really might like this idea. But I also think about some of my friends who are just kind of interested in how the body works and kind of some of the new stuff that's that's coming down the pipe. So my friends in the kinesiology world, as, as well as just people that are just interested. I think it's one of the best articles I've done. I think I've got a really good way of taking some of this deep neurology and making it easy to understand. So we're gonna go over a term today called body mapping. In a couple of my recent articles, I'd use the term threats to describe how the brain reacts to certain injuries in the body. We talked about how extremities like the ankle and hands tend to swell, yet the spinal area does more of a splinting lockdown. Two different areas with two different reactions. Now, a lot of this information is coming from some really cutting edge sports practitioners that are in the research world. Much of this kind of information comes from experts that work on pain. The way I had first heard about this was one of these pain specialists was talking about how they work on soldiers coming back from the Middle East and they've lost their limbs. The soldiers will complain about phantom pain. Doc, why does my hand hurt so bad? I don't have a hand anymore. This led to some really interesting research on why and how we feel pain. Hopefully, a lot of what I'm going to go over with you today will, at the root of it, make a lot of sense. The first time I heard this kind of information, I thought there's no way that that can work. But it does, and it's a great way to describe the body. As I started experimenting on some of this with my clients, it was immediately obvious that these new ideas not only worked for a large number of clients, but worked almost like a miracle for some. So maybe you're a practitioner, maybe you're a kinese expert, maybe you're actually someone that is in pain and you're looking for a different idea because nothing worked. So this is what I wanna go over. Over the last couple of years, this idea has grown. It's kind of a case of the science catching up with the techniques that we were already doing. We knew it worked, but we weren't sure why. The boots on the ground practitioners doing all the research and taking it to their clinics, and then the patients were getting better and then they would share the results, thereby driving more and better research. This is how researchers and clinicians should be working together better. My friend Don Melrose at our local university does a really good job of introducing me together when we start doing speaking gigs on this, the boots on the ground with the researchers and how they drive each other back and forth. This kind of thing is happening in all fields. It happens in healthcare and fitness and diet. And these happen to be my realm, so I love pushing the envelope on these new ideas. Today, I'm going to talk about the idea of body mapping. Body mapping by itself doesn't take much of a stretch for it all to make sense. It's just that the explanation has never been done before. We all do it. We just weren't seeing it because the why had never been asked. Many of you know that have looked at any of my other articles on my sister's site, Be Awesome 365, you know that I love word swaps. Word swaps is just by changing one or two words, you can drastically change the way your brain sees a certain situation. By changing this perspective, a lot of times you can change the results. Body mapping is this. I'm going to give you a different way to visualize how your body functions and works. The idea has a few different terms, but I'm going to stick with the wording body mapping because it seems to really work with my clients. This, and that's the way the top dogs are describing their lectures. And you guys get what the pros get. So I'm going to take it one step further though. I'm going to analogize the whole idea by actually using a map. We're gonna use the GPS map on your phone. 
So hang with me here for a few minutes as I teach grad level neurology in a simple context that you can use every day. When you whip out your Google Maps and you tell your phone to take you to a certain location, immediately all the streets and corners and shortcuts pop up and start to build your starting image. The GPS will even tell you which directions are traveling slower. Spots where more cars are backed up or there happens to be more red lights. The downtown. This will then allow you to make the decision you want to. If you decide to turn a different corner than the GPS sent you, you just do it. The app adapts and reroutes you. So let's think of the body like this. In this analogy, the location that you're trying to get to and from are your body parts. As if you stepped on a stone walkway barefoot and felt the cool pebbles. The brain immediately senses this. The locations are your foot in a special area in your brain. The signal needs to get the, to the brain, to the foot, and then back again to set your gait up for the next step. The roads are your nerve pathways. They run in certain directions and have all kinds of connections. There are things in the way that they need to go around over and through like your bones and your muscles. There are millions of different routes that you can potentially use to get you to the same place. So if the locations are the body parts and the roads are your nerve highway and road system, your fascial chains and skin basically are your map. Like the screen you're looking at. There are millions upon millions of receptors in your screen. This is how your brain keeps track of where you are in space and how you're moving. Think of your foot. We always tend to think of the foot as the part of the body that makes us move through our world. But at the heart of it, the primary function of the foot is the ultimate sensor. Every step you take, your foot is relaying information to your brain. Not just where you are, but if that stone pathway has sand or snow, gravel or pokey sticks lying on it. The foot, particularly the skin and fascia chain surrounding the foot, tells you how much pressure you're putting on the rest of your body. It's sensing, it senses if you're going out for a stroll to your mailbox versus landing after having dunked on James in front of mom and Big Blue. Understand that some places in your body have more nerves that focus on these type of sensations. Nerves for pain, pressure, temperature. But then there are nerves that are deep inside your joints that tell you if you're upside down or if your shoulders are in a position that isn't safe. There are nerves that keep your heart running without you having to think about it and that tell your intestines how much nutrients to absorb and how much to pass on. Some are highways and some are county roads. I can go on and on with these kinds of explanations, but you get it by now. Neurologists and scientists in these fields spend their entire careers and lifetimes just on one aspect of one of these. It goes that deep. But let's make this easy. Your skin and sensors are the map. The nerves are the road. And the GPS on your phone, what you're looking at right now, the thing that's calculating the actual screen, that's the brain. It's not the location part of the brain that gets the information. This is the overall information processor. The part that's taking all the information at the same time. It senses everything. Hopefully you're following me. Let's say you asked your GPS to get you to your favorite sports-based chiropractor. But once the GPS map calculated the route, you noticed there was a giant, big circular area in the middle of the map. It was black. Basically, what's happening is the GPS isn't getting the proper information. It could be that a meteor had landed there and destroyed the entire area. Maybe there's some sort of federal lockdown. The government and their techie superstar hackers have issued a blackout for that area. Or maybe there's an emergency and the GPS has some sort of mechanism that keeps other people and vehicles from traveling there. At the end of the day, the, your screen doesn't care why. It just knows there's a big black hole on the map. 
more than likely you will reroute yourself if the computer doesn't do it automatically for you. I mean, who wants to drive into a great big black area they don't know about? And this is kind of what happens when you have an injury to an area on your body. Let's say you're wrestling with your friends and you injure your shoulder. Initially, all the brain knows that something isn't right. And initially, it doesn't even know if the injury is severe or not. All it knows is something's wrong. And the brain wants to protect the body. The body is like super important to the brain, I guess. Also, the brain doesn't entirely trust you. Yeah, you've made some pretty poor decisions about your body in the past, and it's not ready for full trust yet. So what it does is it kind of blacks out the area. The brain doesn't have enough information to know what went wrong. It just knows there was something painful or that it moved wrong and that something's not right. It feels a threat. Threat is a relatively new term in the sports med world, but it's very descriptive and accurate. Look at my article, Different Responses, if you wanted to get into threat. It's going to take more information before it decides to go into emergency mode or if it just decides to let everything go back to normal. I mean, we've all rolled our ankles playing basketball, correct? It's the end of the world. You can't walk. You scream like a sorority girl in a horror movie. The game stops. The other players scatter and the coach or athletic trainer runs out in the court to see what's wrong. More than likely, you have to be carried with some of the bigger players taking you all the way to the locker room. I mean, you see this every other night on an NBA game. But two minutes later, everything feels good again. You come back on the court. Kind of makes you feel goofy that you acted like such a sissy. I mean, you're fine now. Well, what happened is that your brain had a couple minutes to get more information. And then it decided, based on that information, that everything was okay and you could continue on as normal. In our GPS analogy, that's like the black hole was there for a minute and then click, it went right back to normal. But what happens when the brain doesn't receive information? This is what happens with the soldiers that have lost their limbs. They still have arm pain even though they don't have an arm. They had something so traumatic and instantaneous that the brain didn't even know what the heck happened. Now after some time, if the brain does not receive more information or receives poor or conflicting information, it basically keeps the area blacked out. Some of us in the healthcare industry called it smudged. If I was looking at a paper map, the term smudge makes a lot of sense. But in our analogy, we're looking at a GPS, so I use the black hole. You could also imagine using pixelated or diffuse or some sort of transparency. But either way, the idea is the signal isn't getting through strong and the brain keeps the area disconnected. In order to restore the proper map, which is where the body mapping term comes from, the brain needs more information. This is the case of the sprained ankle that just doesn't recover well. Not like the one we talked about that you're back on the court in two minutes, but the other one. The one that's still sore five days later and indeed never really seemed to get all the way recovered at all. Maybe even the one that's six months later and you still have some phantom pain and your foot just doesn't respond the way it was supposed to. I mean, you can walk now and you can go for a little jog, but you wouldn't even want to think about jumping rope. And that's six months later. And when the doctor asks you, hey, where does it hurt? You can't even really find the area. Basically, you kind of rub your whole foot and ankle and say, uh, somewhere around here. Well, in that case, that's poor mapping. The GPS isn't receiving any more information, so it just gives the information to the brain that it's not sure what's going on. Now, here's an important point. In most cases, the brain doesn't want to risk you going back to full activity. So it just fills up that blacked out area on the map the best way it knows how to protect the body, with pain. Diffused, annoying, broad pain. The body mapping idea is simply that. 
a black spot on the map is filled with pain sensation because the brain isn't sure what's going on and that's how it protects. Like I see in my clinic, this pain theory doesn't work for all issues. Body mapping theory isn't injury-based, it's diffuse pain-based. It's a different pain than the more severe true injury. As a doctor, one of the clues that we know this is happening is that with a true injury, like you slip on ice and fall on an outstretched hand, in the, in the sports world, they call it a foosh injury. Well, for these injuries, the body reacts differently. When you have an acute, moderate to severe injury, you would describe your injury to the doctor kind of like this. Hey, doc, it hurts when I raise my arm like this. And you can point to it. It hurts right here. You can describe the injury to your doctor by pushing directly to one area and then moving your body in the mechanism that causes pain. It's like pointing to one specific spot on your shoulder and saying it hurts when I do this. In a body mapping error, that's not the case. When I ask you where you hurt, as your doctor, you kind of rub your entire shoulder, neck, upper back, and arm and say, nah, somewhere around here. The area you described isn't one muscle, it has dozens of muscles, multiple joints, multiple bones, hundreds of nerves. It's not even similar to the way you described the acute injury. The entire area hurts. The entire area of the map has been blacked out. By understanding the body this way, we can then start to affect how you get out of pain better. As doctors and therapists, we all learn the body the American way. It's often called the Western medical model. First you learn about the bones, then the muscles, then the nerves. You remember this stuff in anatomy and physiology class. Then you learn how each nerve goes to each muscle and innervates or stimulates that specific area. In the last decade, the fascia has been the big news in our industries. Yeah, for something new, finally fascia. And although I agree that that is a great way to learn and is the standard for the last three to 400 years, I think at times with certain issues, this is also why we fail. We have been taught that the shoulder has six rotator cuff muscles, the pec, the upper back muscles, and three different bones. It's got six different major nerves and etc. We as practitioners learn that when you throw a ball, there is a firing sequence. First, the muscles on the back side of your shoulder and upper back, they have to fire. That's how you load the ball back. Next in the sequence, the external rotator muscles fire to allow your arm to go even further back. This is where the ball starts to turn backwards. So there are additional muscle and joint activities happening in the elbow and wrist. Then as we start to throw the ball, the anterior side muscles start. Muscle spindle cells and Golgi tendon apparatus allow for a smooth transition from firing sequence to shutdown sequence, even without having to think about it. The firing sequence dictates that the pec will start to increase velocity, followed by the muscles on the anterior delt, and so on, and so on, and so on. This is what makes kinesiology so much fun. You can talk such a huge game. When you understand this stuff, you are the smartest guy in the class, and you can impress all your friends. It makes you sound smarter, and what's even better is so many of these words are huge, important-sounding Latin derivatives. I feel like a genius, and I talk like a genius. Maybe I am? Basic anatomy and physiology, I think, is a fantastic way to examine and diagnose as well as treat sports injuries, but it has its drawbacks because often the pain has been there for a while and it's the body mapping version. You see, your brain doesn't see the body in motion as anatomy and firing sequences. That happens automatically. Your brain sees your shoulder as a shoulder, your knee as a knee, and your foot as a foot. It doesn't think to throw a ball by utilizing the firing sequence I discussed above. It just thinks throw the ball and it does it. 
you've been ingraining that for years and the brain has a whole area set aside just to throw the ball. And that's why this body mapping analogy and visualization helps a lot because different injuries, especially long-term diffuse annoying injuries, they tend not to work that way. The brain only recognizes that it hurts when you throw or that something isn't safe yet. It senses and relays the threat. It's just a different version of pain. So here's the good news. If we can just step back a second and try a different version of treatment, i.e. using the body mapping version, we get more efficiency with our doctoring because it's often simple. The way to fix the issue, decrease the pain, and increase the range of motion is simply to give the brain more and better information. When you can show the brain that it's okay to go into a certain position in a certain shape, or that it's okay to stand on your ankle and jump again, now there is no threat. The brain gets good information again. The black hole on your GPS starts to come back again. Sometimes it comes back slow and blurry, as I talked about before, smudged, but given enough information and doing it the right way, the picture comes back. The brain remaps the body. When there is no more black hole and the brain has a good picture of what's happening and the information coming from the map is solid, it's business as usual. Joints start to move better, muscles work the way they're supposed to, and you go on with your happy day. When you treat the same injuries with the anatomy and physiology model, oftentimes it doesn't seem to get you anywhere. There's no direct injury, so it's very hard to come up with a direct treatment. The idea is just to give the brain better information. What's so unique about the system, however, isn't the explanation or even the understanding. It's the hack that we can use. When we think about the skin as our biggest sensory organ, the information system, the map, we can then use it to give the brain better signals. The skin and the hair follicles around the skin have anywhere from 30 to 100 times more nerve endings. Specifically, the type of nerves that tell us about pressure, temperature, and oh yeah, pain. Why do you think paper cuts hurt like they do? It's a tiny injury with a large pain signal because there are so many nerve endings in the tip of your fingers. What else is important to know is that pain signals travel quite slowly as compared to the nerves for movement and tactile sensation, like scratchy feelings or decompression. I once heard it in a seminar that pain signals travel about two miles per hour, which is very quick from your ankle to your head. However, tactile sensations like scratch, drag, rubbing, and decompression sensations like with cups or rock tape, as well as movement, those travel about 70 miles per hour and bombard the brain with new information, faster and more amplified than their slower moving pain signal counterparts. Basically, they, in a fashion, block the pain signals from getting to your brain. Remember when I said that a lot of this becomes common sense when you see the body with this idea of body mapping? So let's take a real life example. We'll use someone that has never heard of body mapping in their life. In fact, someone that's never even taken a kinesiology class in her life. Picture my eight-year-old boy as he's running through the house crazily and he bangs his hand, his hand on a solid wooden chair. His initial reaction, even before he starts to cry, is to rub his skin around the area very lightly and start to move his fingers his hand, kind of shake it out. We've all done this. It's automatic. It's ingrained into our body. The tactile sensation of rubbing, as well as an immediate movement, will decrease the pain faster than doing nothing. 
This is how a bunch of guys, much smarter than me, decided that we could probably use that information to create better treatments for our patients that were having issues involving body mapping. If you want to see some videos of this in action, check out a few of the ones I put on YouTube as I think seeing a visual is pretty powerful. Basically, we're using the skin to give the brain better information. This has been going on for a few years and it's not as brand new as it might sound. Treatment involves simply getting in there and starting to stimulate an area. We can use a rubber drag tool, a scratchy tool, rock tape, movement. That's what we did a few years ago. Now we innovate and we test and retest. We take the skin different directions with different pressures, different tools, twisting, decompression, all trying to modulate cutaneous nerves to connect and communicate the body and brain faster and more efficiently. Sometimes the results are mind-blowing. As a practitioner, nothing makes me feel better than helping someone that has had pain for months or to get them feeling better for the first time. That's why I got into the profession. Body mapping is a new style of seeing the body, a new way of working with the anatomy, and definitely something different than what was being done even a few years ago. It doesn't work for everything. There's no way for me to guarantee it or deliver it every time. It depends more on how the brain is seeing the body and what type of injury you have. It's simply another trick for a practitioner toolbox. It's a way of using existing tools in a new fashion. I think it explains why a lot of the things that we are doing in our clinics via trial and error are working, despite us not being able to explain it. It's the science catching up what was working already, only we weren't sure why. Body mapping is better wording. It's better vocabulary. It's a word swap, and it's a super powerful tool that has made working in my clinic enjoyable. I think the idea of looking at this and explaining this very GPS is a very powerful analogy to help simplify it. Well, there you go. Enjoy it, play with it, and impress the guy in the next cubicle with your newfound knowledge.